dear ones. You're listening to the What God Is Not podcast with Father Michael O'Loughlin and Mother Natalia. Hello, listeners. Father Michael, uh, this is Mother Natalia's episode today, and we are going to be talking about sin, and especially in the East, how sin is uh, a sickness. It's contagious. It can be genetic. Um, also, the various ways that, that sin can be understood better by the way that we naturally understand sickness. Um, it can be intentional, unintentional. It's a disorder. Um, also, how it affects our relationships. And with our special guest, Father Jeff Dufresne, uh, Mother got this topic from one of his homilies. Father Jeff also gives some examples of the way that the church provides medicine because Jesus Christ is the healer of our souls and our bodies. If you are a hashtag banter hater, you can jump ahead eight minutes and 30 seconds to the topic. Glory to Jesus Christ. Glory forever. Seriously? You're not going to say anything? You know the response to that. Come on! This is a different than the one that I usually say when I'm here. This is true. It's actually different than hers as well. Yeah, we say glory to him forever. You say glory to him forever. Yeah, but Father Michael says glory forever. Uh, so that other deep voice, can you hear him? Yes. Okay. Um, that other deep voice that you hear that is not Father Michael is uh, our beloved Father Jeffrey Dufresne from the Archdiocese of Indianapolis. And he's here visiting for a few days. Father Michael, that's a great head bob you got going on. Uh, I'm actually listening to some doctor during the headphones. I have no idea what you're Um, Father Dufresne is visiting for a few days, and so I asked if he wanted to sit in on the recording because he listens to the podcast sometimes, and yeah. Well, that's the problem. He didn't respond because you said, do you want to sit in on the recording? What? And then you expected the no to respond. No, he also is going to say stuff. Okay. He totally is, stuff. especially because my he's going to say good, beautiful, spiritual stuff because my topic is uh, largely inspired. That women shouldn't talk in church. Totally <laughs> 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 <Holy> kidding. <laughs> you can only make that joke because you co-host a podcast with a female. <laughs> this is very true. If, if you on didn't, then people would take you seriously. <laughs> no. On my previous podcast, podcast, I never could have made that joke. Podcast. <laughs> a podcast about Posca. <laughs> a podcast. Oh, <laughs> don't steal that. We're going to use that, listeners. Don't take that. We've copyrighted it. Yeah. Poscast. Yeah. Guess what we're doing for Posca this year? We're going to bury a pig and maybe even a lamb, maybe even both. Like, That's go fun. full on. We're probably going to have like wine, and I'm making Old Rasputin beer on Sunday. For Pasca beer, and we're gonna like bury a pig and a sheep, and go like full on Pasca this year because we're having a Catherine, Catechumen Catherine, who you all know um, from the podcast, is gonna come to the church on Easter Vigil as long as all goes well. And then we have uh, one family; um, they will go unnamed at this point, but um, they are unfortunately leaving California because it's California, and they're going to a more family friendly, less tax, much cheaper gas state. But they're they're leaving shortly after Pascha, so and I will miss them immensely. But yeah, so we're gonna have like a it's gonna be a welcome to the church and a farewell from the church and a welcome Jesus resurrection party. That's gonna be awesome. Yeah. If you're in the Sherman Oaks, Los Angeles area, come on by. Whenever yeah. Easter is. Are you just hijacking my episode <laughs> to talk about your parish? That was a great uh, great sure. ad. You could say you're going whole hog for Pascha. Oh, snap. I don't get it. Yes, we are. <laughs> well, they're they're going to have a whole hog. A you whole don't. Pig. Whole hog? Whole, whole hog. pig? It's a, it's, a, whole hog. it's a phrase. I understand that a hog is a pig. I've never heard the phrase whole hog. Oh, it's like uh, when you're like going all out. It must oh. be a Midwest thing. She, yeah. she She's new to the Midwest. She's a, a recent Midwest. You're not she, from the Midwest. How do you know it? But I spent long enough there where I've heard it before. All right. Maybe it's because I'm from Cincinnati. Okay, can I... Here in California, we're all vegans, so I haven't heard it here at all. <laughs> we're all vegans. We just eat grass and, like, nibble off trees and stuff. I want to share something. This is what I wanted to banter about. I wanted not whole hogs, but I wanted to <laughs> I, I share something <laughs> that you did that uh, very fascinating that happened while Father Dufresne was here. Because no. you know how you know how Father Michael, um, particularly the time that I was there for a long time, like when I had to do my the COVID quarantine thing, uh, 
there were just so many things that we discovered about the other that was like, I just, I didn't realize how different you were from me in this particular thing. But then there were also things oh. that it was like, I didn't realize we were the same in that particular way. Like the, like the well, that's interesting. No, it's not. Uh, and this, so anyways, so something happened the other day. Father Dufresne and I, he went grocery shopping with me and he was super helpful. We got it done real quick. It was great. Mostly he carried heavy things and reached shelves that I couldn't reach. But the, which isn't saying much. Um, but he, he's like, you have to try these dill pickle chips. Dill pickle chips, is that right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, that sounds so strange and I want it so much. And so we found dill pickle Pringles. Nice. So we got a pack, a can, to be precise. We got a can of dill pickle Pringles, and we're eating them in the car. And as we're driving to the second grocery store, and you look at the ingredients. No, um, okay. it wasn't. It was fast friendly. It was fine. Oh, okay. And um, the well, it has whey in it, but we're not that precise. Like it was, it was fine. Uh, so. I reach in the can for some Pringles and Father Dufresne looks at me shocked. And he's like, and, and I don't understand what the shock is. And he says, your hand fits oh. in the Pringle can? And I was like, yeah. And it never crossed my mind that some people's, and as it turns out in polling people since this occasion, most people's, adults, <laughs> hands don't fit in the Pringle can. And so I was just like, how do you how do you get the Pringles out? Um, and you have he, to dump them out. yeah, you have to dump them out. And I was just like, it was completely fascinating to me um, mm. because I, yeah, I mean, my hand reach it. I can reach all the way to the bottom of the Pringle can because I didn't. Or know I like I like dump them to the ridge and then I actually take it out with like my tongue. Yeah, well, like, we were sharing, and so that's gross. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So anyways, that was the fascinating thing that happened that I wanted to share with all of listener land because maybe some of our listeners don't realize that some people's hands don't fit in Pringle cans. <laughs> or maybe some of our listeners don't realize that some people's hands do fit in Pringles, Pringle cans. This is and Catholic this is stuff you should know. <laughs> <laughs> this is what God is Oops. not stuff you should know. Mm-hmm. Mother has tiny hands. Yeah, yep. There's no way mine could. So, Look, yeah, hold up apparently... Your yeah. That does not work on does the that computer not work screen. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, seven minutes. I'm moving on. That was seven minutes of banter. We're moving on. Can I um, share something stupid I did this morning? Uh, you told oh, me I have ahead. to. You told me I have to be so short on this episode, so and now you know. I'll save it for next time. No, share the stupid thing. So I I was having trouble falling asleep last night. So I went. I finally did fall asleep, and I woke up at like two in the morning, and I heard what sounded to me like a busted sprinkler. So this is the way a pastor's mind works. Like, what I heard is a busted sprinkler outside. So I, I get up, I wait, and I'm like, well, if it's busted, it'll, it'll just go off, and then I'll, we can, I'll fix it tomorrow. And then I wake up like, I wait, I wait like 10 minutes, it's still going. I wake up like half an hour later, it's still going. Like, it wakes me up. And I'm like, oh my gosh. So I get up out of bed, I look outside, like three different windows. I walk into the bathroom next to me to see if there's the bathroom, something going in the bathroom. Nope. I, I am walking like all around my room, waking, like waking myself up. I'm like, should I go outside and look? Like there's obviously something wrong. It's like flowing, flowing. And I do all this stuff. I, I lay back down again and I'm like, what is wrong? Like, like, do I have to turn off the whole water, the whole house, Father Nathan's house? I'm like racking my brain. And then all of a sudden I realize I put on a flowing river sound machine before you fall asleep. <laughs> and like, I'd walk into the bathroom and I couldn't hear it. And I walked to the side of my room and it was like lighter. I'm like, this must be right on the other side of my wall outside. Yeah, it was just literally what I had put on to try to fall asleep. That's amazing. That's actually a really great transition into my topic. Uh, yeah, that's why I did it. <laughs> yeah, Father Dufresne's face shows that that was not a good <laughs> transition into my topic. I was just trying to move on. So that has nothing to do with my topic. All right, so Father Dufresne was giving a homily at Mass the other day here at the monastery. And as he starts his homily, he talks about how we have a lot of analogies for sin, and that, but that the analogy that he finds maybe the most fitting 
because all analogies fail in some way or another, right? Because they're not literally the thing, they're an analogy, uh, which is why we talk about what God is not as opposed to what he is. So uh, he said one of the most fitting analogies is to think of sin as sickness. And when he says this, I interiorly only roll my eyes <laughs> and I'm like, oh, here we go. Because like, nope, you did it out loud. <laughs> um, it was not. You know, mother, your eyes are going to get stuck that way if you do it too often. Yeah. So <laughs> the, but the reason I was interiorly rolling my eyes is because I'm like, here we go. Because we already know this, like the back of our hand, because we hear this all the time. Like this is, um, okay, great. Father Dufresne's had this profound revelation about how sin is like sickness. But in the East, this we is- Byzantines talk about it all the time. Right. Um, and uh, so <laughs> Father Dufresne's kind of glaring at me right now. But <laughs> we've already talked about this. So he already knows where I'm so going with it. Jesus and the icon behind um, you guys. So um, I, sorry, <laughs> pulling I'm pulling his, his headphones out. I'm trying to look for something in my pocket and I just have, cause I have a little note, I found it. Um, so the reason, sorry, now everyone heard my note unfolding. So then here's what happens next though. I'm like about to hear this homily that I've already heard a thousand times and don't need to hear again, except then he takes it in a totally different direction than I've ever thought of it. And so I was like, that's amazing. And it was a very wonderful homily. If it wasn't, I wouldn't have just shared that beginning part because that would be a jerk move. So uh, so I wanted to talk about kind of this, this Eastern perspective of sin as sickness. Uh, but then I also want to add on these ways of that Father Dufresne was talking about it that I had never really thought of before. And maybe you have Father Michael because you're so brilliant. Uh, but I'm I counting. This is my sin episode, by the way. Have not. Uh, so that's so funny that's because when you. because when Father Dufresne and I were talking about this, and I was like, I think I'm going to use that for the episode that I'm recording tomorrow. Uh, I mean Monday. You you just shot a rubber band at me through the computer. <laughs> In your general direction. <laughs> <laughs> were you just pretending to be a monkey? No, no, I was pretending to be the French the soldiers from. <laughs> Father Jeff got it. I don't know what you're talking about. In your general direction. <laughs> Father Jeff and I are going to make just jokes that Mother Natalia <laughs> references and jokes that Mother Natalia does not get this entire episode. Okay, great. It's a good thing it's a short one. So the, uh, where was I even going with this? Um, he oh, he when, when yes, when Father Dufresne and I were talking about this and I said, this is what I'm going to record on. And... Uh, and I said, but this does not count as Father Michael's episode on sin. <laughs> Too uh, late. I called it first. So I need to somehow reference that in the title. But No, you didn't reference it first. I referenced not it before we recorded. Oh, that's a really counting. good title. Um, <laughs> okay. So, so anyways, uh, I wanted to start by just sharing very kind of generally... Wow, just unzip your Sorry. vest very loudly. Sorry. So, <laughs> I tried back to the epidemic work. I, uh, the Eastern perspective of sin as sickness. So, some writers will even re- like talk about sin as being spiritual suicide, uh, which, which makes a lot of sense. Like, sin causes death. And so, when we sin, uh, we're choosing, at least in that moment, an eternal death. And so in that sense, it's spiritual suicide. Um, But it's so, this is, this is how prevalent the language is, uh, particularly during, during the great fast, during this time of Lent, we hear this language in, in all of our prayers about how we need God's healing because of the wounds caused by our sin or because of the sickness caused by our sin. And so this is how prevalent it is. When I, I didn't uh, remember to look up some, some quotes by any Eastern writers about sin being sickness. And so at Matins this morning, at morning prayer, uh, I was just like, oh, I'm recording this episode today. I need something about sin and sickness. 
Jesus, help me notice something during matins. And maybe two hymns later, we had something that was just perfect. So this is this is a quote from Matins uh, during, I think it was from the, oh, from, eh, I don't know where it was from. It was from somewhere in Matins on the second Monday of the Great Fast is when we're recording. So, O physician of our souls, anoint me with the healing balm of your wise commandments. For my soul is wounded by the sword of sins and tainted with so many evils, O lover of mankind. So my soul is wounded by the sword of sin. So we say that these wounds, which are a sickness of kind, um, is, are, are caused by our sins. But we also even use the term sickness. We use the word ills. We use things like that as we're talking about our sin uh, in the East. Do you look like you want to say something? Is that true? No, I'm, I'm processing. Okay. So, um, so and, and this is to the extent that in the, the mysteries or the sacraments, the, the mystery of repentance or confession is listed as one of the mysteries of healing, right? It's in the same section as um, the anointing of the sick. And so so we, and, and I think we've talked about this on the podcast before of just how confession is supposed to be a place of healing. We go there asking, asking the Lord to heal us of the wounds and the sickness that are caused by our sin. So I've thought of all this before because it's very prevalent in the East. But then Father Dufresne takes it in uh, another direction. And he says that sickness can often be contagious. Sickness can often be hereditary. And uh, so, so we're, those, those were the two specific ways in which I hadn't thought of the analogy to sin, right? Because... I um, we're having a, a meeting as a community today, and talking about how um, you know oftentimes in community someone will um, act out of their weakness, and in doing so, this other person will respond in their weakness, and and it's very much the same thing in sin. So there's so there's the one aspect, well, I'll go with that aspect first since I just brought it up. So this is one aspect of, of sin being contagious is that when I'm acting out of my sinfulness, like like say I, um, I act out of my anger towards a sister, then she might receive that. And because of the anger that I acted towards her with, she's going to go um, talk about me behind my back. And so now she has the sin of idle chatter. So our, our sin can draw others into sin in that way. But our sin can also be contagious in that we can draw other people into the sin with us, like the same sin, right? And this is obvious, like the most obvious example of this is gossip, uh, uh, or at least the first one that comes to mind is gossip is if i'm if i'm sinning by gossiping it's very easy for for someone to be drawn into that and so that's that's the contagious aspect and then there's the the hereditary aspect um of the the sinfulness that's inherited um and this is i don't know you're going to speak to that much more eloquently than i can father michael do you want to speak to that to, you mean like ancestral sin? Yeah. That's inherited from our forefathers? Mm-hmm. I just describe what it is? Yeah. Um, well, it I, Sorry, I just put you on the spot. You're just going to do a better job oh, with no, it than me. No, it's okay, sure. Um, so, the Adam and Eve in, in, especially in the one man Adam, this is Romans 5, in, in the one man Adam we were all somehow represented. We were all somehow present. Um, he was our father, our, our, our father biologically and spiritually. Um, and so when, when he sinned, it affected um, all of us that come after him. Um, the West tends to emphasize, uh, coming from Augustine, the, the, the guilt, the fact that um, this was a, a chosen intentional sin 
um, and that the tendency towards that and the, and the the guilt is passed down um, from generation to generation all the way down to us. And and even when Christ comes and we are reborn in His baptism, um, we still in our baptism, excuse me, in His death and resurrection, we still um, have a certain concupiscence and tendency. Uh, to sin that comes from this woundedness that is genetic. Um, in the East, uh, we believe that as well, in a sense, but but there's also the, the emphasis is rather on death itself, that Adam and Eve, when they sinned, they brought death into the world. And because we die, because we are mortal, um, that, that, that brings, in a sense, the concupiscence. I would even use the same word for our tradition, the concupiscence, the, the tendency to sin, the fear of death, and the, the, the attempts in a secular way, separated from religion, attempts in, in, to use our own power, our own control um, to be immortal or to pretend that we're immortal or to deny the fact that we're immortal. And all of these things, this lack of trust, lack of reliance upon our new birth, upon the new creation, um, gets us to to grasp like Adam and Eve over again, even post redemption and resurrection. We we still grasp at the ways of of living a life that that is in in denial of our mortality, um, but that we are in control of and and a lack of of, of surrender. So um, pretty much, it's just um, as Romans five says. I would encourage everybody to read it. But as Romans five says. Through one man, we have redemption. We have resurrection. So if we want to receive the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, we also need to accept that we uh, receive in a, in a similar way the, the death, the, the condemnation of the one man, Adam. Mm. Um, so if we're going to have the benefits of one man, we have to understand that we are wounded also by the one man. So when, we become, when Christ dies and rises, we become his, his children. We become the children of God. We are grafted in um, and we become the body of Christ who is the only son of God. And when we participate in his body, um, now we receive the the genetic, if you will, the genetic benefits of his death and resurrection, his obedience to God the Father and his, his opening up the doors of heaven um, while still manifesting by our own choice to sin and by our own um, fallen nature that, that remains um, in this world, uh, the the woundedness of our, our genetic um, spiritually genetic and physically genetic um, life in in Adam as well, mm-hmm. even though Christ is the new Adam, and we'll, we'll we'll realize that fully in heaven, of course, when the fullness of of what it means to be the child of God and and within the body of Christ um, becomes mm-hmm. real. When once there is no longer sin, and and um, we have been purged either here on earth or in purgation, and uh, ready for that. Thank you. That's yeah. That's much better than I would have said it. So thank you for that. Uh, and probably much longer. Well, I wouldn't have said that, but I would have thought it. I'm just kidding. That was great. No, I I was uh, I took the the moment to jot down the other three things that I wanted to mention before you jump in. So, and Father Dufresne, anything that he wants to add to it. So, uh, so another another way in which sickness is like sin is that both of these are unnatural. Both of these are disordered. Um, so, so sickness, sickness and death are a result of the fall, um, as is sin. That's a little more complex, but the point being that, um, sickness is an objective evil, right? We've talked about this on the podcast before, like COVID is an objective evil. God allows it to happen but it is an objective evil. All sickness is. Um, death is disorder. It's, it's, it's disordered as is sin. Um, and then there's one other thought I wanted to say about that, but I forgot what it was. Um, so another thing, and we might eventually talk about this more because Father Michael and I have already talked about it a bit, but, but just like sin, sickness can be voluntary and involuntary, right? We can choose sickness when we drink too much alcohol, when we eat the wrong kinds of food and get heart disease, when we, like, um, there are lots of ways that we can call sickness upon ourselves, um, but there are other ways that, um, there are other ways that 
the the sickness um, seems imposed upon us, or um, or it happens to us unintentionally, um, which leads into another aspect that Father Dufresne and I were talking about it that we often this was one of my favorite things that he said about it actually we often don't know when we're sick and in fact there are times that we don't know that we're sick with something very serious uh even something terminal you know um this is like when people find out um all of a sudden that they have stage 4 cancer or something like that and and oftentimes and and so oftentimes we're oblivious to our own sin. Oftentimes we're oblivious to our very grave sin. But similar to those being unaware of the, the physical sicknesses, sometimes that's because we didn't see the warning signs. And sometimes it's because we ignored the warning signs or we didn't want to put in the effort to see the warning signs, right? Um and uh, yeah, so I think that's that's a really important aspect of it. And then the last the last part of it that I want to mention before I get input from you guys is that sin and sickness both affect our relationships. And um, whether it's chosen or not chosen, sin and sickness affect our relationships. And whether we see it or not, it affects our relationships. And so so an example that I gave to Father Dufresne of when when we choose it and it affects our relationship is if I just um if I just chose to stay up drinking really late um and way too much and then the next day I uh was completely hungover, right? And so I'm sick. I'm sick by my own choice. And then I'm supposed to hang out with Father Dufresne that day. And I'm just miserable company. I'm not present to him. I'm all of these things uh, because of this sickness that I've brought upon myself. And, and sin does the same thing in our relationships. I shouldn't say the same thing, but sin also affects our relationships, right? It causes us um, to be less present, to be less real because sin causes a disintegration within us. It, it causes a separation within us um, that's what death is, the separation of soul and body. And that's what sin does to us. It separates, it, it disintegrates. And so then that causes us to be disintegrated in our relationships and disordered in our relationships. Um, but the last thing I'll say about that, about how it affects our relationships is this is true in the negative and the positive. Because uh, Romans 8, which I always come back to on this podcast because it's like my favorite verse, uh, God uses all for good for those who love him, even our sickness, even our sin. And so the benefit that sickness can have if we allow it to in our relationships is that it allows us to have a needfulness. It allows us to um, depend upon others and not upon ourselves it allows others the opportunity to love us. It, um, it allows us the encounter that comes with healing. And all of those same things are true with our sin. If we allow it to, our sin is a place of encounter because of the encounter of healing. And it, uh, it humbles us just like sickness does. It, helps us to realize that we're broken. It helps us to, to realize that we need the Lord, that we need healing, all of those things. Um, so yeah, that's what I have to say about sin and sickness. And now you both may speak. I, I like how you at the end touched on the positives of it. Uh, you know, it was funny whenever I was a kid, I, um, and I'm, I'm a sucker for these things. So especially as I, as I get older, like I'm a, I'm a sucker for seeing like um, racial and 
stable, I guess you'd call it, diversity in like children's shows. So I love seeing, you know, a, at a children's show, a kid of every race. Because I, I, I know being a kid, it's really nice for a kid to see someone that looks like them when, when they're that simple and thinking about how they look. Hopefully we get over that when we get, become an adult. Unfortunately, I know we, we always don't. But, um, you know, they, they, they want, it's nice to see that. Or I, I loved TV shows when I was a kid that had a kid in a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. Like how, how many kids in wheelchairs get to see someone like them on a TV show? It's like if you're in a wheelchair, the whole world is oriented towards people that are not like you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, something that's on your mind a lot, like the fact that you're in a wheelchair. So I always I always wanted a friend in a wheelchair. I actually never had one, but I had one because because I, 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 I know that sounds weird, but I wanted I wanted to take someone who had a, an illness, a sickness, a disorder, and I wanted to, like, go out of my way to make sure that they were able to enjoy everything that mm. everybody else was. So um, I wanted to like, you know, make sure that that if if there was only steps and not a ramp, that we would carry him up, you know, and carry the wheelchair up. Like I'll do all these things to to see if I could be a, a catalyst for for that type of ordinariness, if you will, a good ordinariness uh, about about life of that friend. But when I when you were saying how it can be a positive thing, I was I was something I was thinking about earlier. And I, I scrawled it down here. Um, was that you know what you're when you, the way you describe sin is similar to the way you describe we describe poverty, you know poverty can mm. be our fault and I talked about that with my life growing up how how much um, of of my family poverty was was my family's fault you know because of of drugs or That's alcohol how I describe or gambling. destitution I think. Right, exactly. So, so listen yeah. to that podcast to to find the the distinguishing characteristics. Mm-hmm. But but what what I mean here is like but but that's how poverty can say blessed are the poor because I, th- I think in one sense I don't want to go against what you said in the podcast but we can use poverty to mean both just some, mm-hmm. someone being poor and you can say either that's brought on themselves or it's genetic right we, we're, we're born poor because our, our, our parents are poor maybe, maybe they're genetic poverty you know um, as you may say so uh, so in other words but blessed are the poor so just like the destitution, and to use the word you, you used, destitution can be helpful in our spiritual life because when we're destitute, we need something from somebody else. We, we, mm-hmm. we cannot help ourselves usually, you know, um, this is a big debate in homeless ministry, et cetera, but like we cannot help ourselves. So, so we need someone to help us. So when we've experienced that in our real life, it's much easier to find that in the spiritual life as well. I cannot save my own mm-hmm. soul. I cannot make myself holy. I cannot my, make myself trust more or, or have faith or hope or love. Like these things have to come from God. So if I have other experiences of needing stuff in order to function in my daily life, it's easier than to say, Jesus, I need you to function in my daily life when, when we have a certain uh, debilitating wealth, a wealth that, that makes us think we are in full control of ourselves and full control of our lives, that can be very debilitating, like the rich young ruler. That can be very debilitating to our spiritual life because we think that if I control everything in my life, you know, and you meet a lot of very, very rich people, and like they're always the alphas in relationships. You know, they're always the one in full control. They're always the one that I, I hate, you know, don't mean to overgeneralize, but sometimes I'm in a situation where where I've never had a really, really like a, a certain friend or acquaintance who, who's really, really wealthy, and they've never, I've never heard them ask for advice. They're always giving it. They're always kind of mm. sitting there and, and, and holding court and kind of sharing their wisdom. And, and we need that. There's something about wealth that allows people to have more leisure time in order to focus on things like philosophy and the arts. And so usually if you have wealth and you use it well, you do have more time to become kind of a guru. Um, but, but, but that also can be so debilitating in the spiritual life because you, you, you think that you have it all together in the spiritual life because you do have it all together in the world in a sense, in, in one sense. So the same thing can go for that. Um, so if if poverty can be good, then if we can, if we can look at our own poverty or even our own destitutions and say, how do I use this to grow in the spiritual life? There's a very real sacramental message there. I think the same thing can be said for sickness. You know, in sickness, we can say a physical illness, whether it's genetic or not, even if it's like a, a cold for the day or COVID or, or whether it's something like being in a wheelchair or blindness or deafness or, you know, anything else, a sickness in the same way that poverty can actually be helpful in the spiritual life, so can sickness. 
this this mm-hmm. can help us identify more the reality of sin in my life, whether it's my own fault or others' fault, and how Christ is the physician of souls and bodies. Christ is the physician, so I'm I'm more able to call upon Him as in my in my pilgrimage to to be purged of sin, like I am in in my <clears throat> pilgrimage of poverty towards understanding. If I need something, this world I need something. Um, so a, a quick story, like I. I, uh, I decided this great fast because on, on we had per sanctified divine liturgy on Friday, and I, so I preached on I preached on you know the fall of Adam and Eve and um, so and I thought and I was I read some great commentaries and you know thinking and praying about it about the fact that when Adam and Eve were kicked out of the Garden of Eden that was home that that was comfortable that was contentment. and, and ever since then we have not been home like like mm. they were citizens of Eden. And ever since the fall, we've always been on a journey somewhere else. We are residents of the kingdom of God. We're citizens of the kingdom of God, especially once Christ opened the doors to us. So there's, we need to act like we're, again, strangers in a strange land. We're, we're, we're foreigners here. We're in the world, but not of the world, all these things. So, so I decided, and this is not very hard for me, so don't, I don't want to even pat myself on the back, but I decided that I'm going to sleep on my sleeping bag all during Lent. Mm-hmm. And like, so it's like a sacramental thing where I'm not home. Mm-hmm. I, I'm on a journey. I'm out somewhere. I'm going to actually... Um, use only toiletries that I pull out of my my travel bag. Like so, there was. I'm gonna kind of that's put my you life. I keep them anyways. <laughs> I I know I know. That's what I'm saying. It's not that hard, and I've even spent many a lot of time sleeping in a sleeping bag because it's cheaper than a comforter, and I already have it. So like like there there's things like that. So but I I, I preached on that on Friday, and then again on on on, on Sunday up in St. Louis Bispo where I was where I was serving. But um anyway, so th- there's these. We can take things in our life that that are very real to us, like mm-hmm. where we sleep, what we eat. That's why we fast, right? Um, we can take these things that we're already very aware of that we don't have to think about like we have to think about Jesus on us we can forget him for days we're not going to forget to eat for days we're not going to forget to sleep for days we're not mm-hmm. going to forget to drive for days so you can take these things adapt them during the great fast in order to think of other things in the same way that we can take the evil of poverty and and actually see how it could be a help mm-hmm. in Christ's healing towards the spiritual life standing with sickness we can take the evil of sickness and and say not only am I physically sick, I'm also spiritual sick, spiritually sick. And which one do I care more about? Which one do I do I mourn more? Which one do I actually ask for help more? And that can be an incredible boost, I would imagine, to the spiritual life. Which this this, by the way, is uh, uh, you just reminded me of it, Father Michael. This is how significantly this is how much emphasis we put on sin being spiritual ill is that in the East, the anointing of the sick is open to anyone. Because even if you don't have a a physical sickness, you have at least spiritual sicknesses. Uh, And so the anointing of of the sick is is available for anyone. Um, But uh, which which the last point that I forgot to mention, uh, and I wondered if you want to speak to this at all, Father Dufresne, is uh, I didn't mention the, the medicine aspect of it that you had talked about, which was also really good. Sure. Um, and I think this ties into another positive potential aspect of... You have a really great radio voice. Thanks. Welcome. Um, I think this ties into another positive potential aspect of sickness uh, in relationship. Like sick, I do experience when I work with people who are sick, especially people who have severe illnesses, that, that people... Like stop talking to them as often because they don't know what to say, right? Or or people that were friends with their family, like they kind of fade into the background, and that's that's very painful. But there, the opposite also happens. That when someone is sick, a community gathers around them. When someone is sick, mm. people in relationship with them are more attentive to them or go out of their way to to attend to them. And that, I, you know, this whole I always get nervous when. Somebody says after a homily, you know, I've never heard that before, Father. I'm like, well, that might be heresy then. Um, but, <laughs> um, but this this whole analogy of sin comes from Jesus talking about himself as the divine physician, right? Mm-hmm. It, it came from that uh, the the calling of Levi in Luke's gospel, where the 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 healthy do not need a, a physician, but the sick do. Mm-hmm. And and so what our Lord is trying to tell us is not just that our sickness is, that our sin is a sickness uh, in, in one sense, but it's also he's describing to us how he responds. Because like, a, good, a good doctor, when someone is sick, is going to go and attend to them, right? They're, they're going to do everything they can to heal them. And so 
um, the, our Lord gives us medicine. And, and that's, that's something like if you've ever been sick for an extended period of time or had, had an illness um, that, that lasted a while, you, uh, you, have to be, you have to persevere in mm-hmm. taking your medicine. Um, and I guess there are kinds of medicine that maybe are enjoyable if you're into like <laughs> gummy vitamins. Um, Father Dufresne said in his homily, um, it's never pleasant to take medicine. It's always, you know, it's something that we have to do and it's never pleasant. And afterwards I was like, um, you forgot about gummy vitamins. <laughs> <laughs> and coffee. Yes, and coffee. I, 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 I drink coffee sometimes within the fasting period before I do liturgy because it's a medicine. And um, Archbishop Fulton Sheen said that. And um, and the bubblegum medicine? Is that amoxicillin? When you're a kid and there was the pink stuff that was, like tasted like bubblegum? Oh, that no, was... that's uh, that's the stomach stuff. Pepto? Pepto-bismol, you mean? No, I mean amoxicillin, the antibiotic. They make it like in a pink liquid stuff for... Anyways, um... Okay, so what kind of medicine um, that we have to persevere in does the Lord give us, Father Dufresne? Well, I, <laughs> this is a great, thanks for teeing that up for me. Um, <laughs> I, you know, of course, there's daily prayer that we, we must persevere in. You know, if there's any hope of, you know, growing healthier spiritually, it, it begins with prayer. Um, and that, that prayer leads us into the other commandments. Like obviously if we're, if we're praying, if we're spending time with the Lord, we're attentive to his word, right? And he's, giving, he's given us, you know, all throughout salvation history, he's given us uh, these remedies for sin. Um, you know, follow the 10 commandments, live the beatitudes, live Matthew 25, right? These, these remedies that are, are very difficult to persevere mm-hmm. in, these, these medicines, but they're, they're incredibly effective against the sickness of sin. Um, that uh, so many times when we're trying to avoid sin, we'll spend so much time thinking about not doing the sin mm-hmm. that we'll fall into the sin. <laughs> and and the trick is is to focus so much on our Lord mm. and on the medicine He has given us uh, that we draw closer to Him mm. and that we recognize that He's already drawing closer to us. Like even He loved us, He died for us while we were yet sinners, right? And um, and then, of course, the most perfect remedies, the most perfect medicine uh, are the sacraments, you know, the, the, the Holy Eucharist, which is, you know, a sacrament of healing, mm-hmm. you know, that, that the Eucharist does heal us. Um, and so being, being intent that whenever people have an issue, you know, pastorally, the first three questions, like, are you going to mass? Have you been to confession? Do you pray? Right. <laughs> right. Um, those, those kind of spiritual, I mean, you can call them, Vitamins, you can call them like spiritual food, you can call, you know, just good spiritual nutrition, you can call them uh, medicine. But those are the ways that our Lord gives us to to grow healthier spiritually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I think, oh my gosh, I just totally lost my train of thought. I, sacraments, healing, yes, Eucharist. So the the Thanksgiving prayers that we have after communion that are like in our green book for the people, in the people's book is, uh, we have like one by John Chrysostom, one by St. Basil, one by some saint that is called um, another prayer. And the uh, things, that was a nice little chuckle. I didn't think anyone was gonna laugh. The uh, anyways, all of those prayers, maybe not all of them, <clears throat> but most of them at least talk about um, they thank God for making us worthy to receive the Eucharist, but then also ask him that it be for the healing of soul and body, right? That the Eucharist is meant to heal our soul and our body. And I thought of one other thing that I want to say. I'm going to try to say this really quickly because I know you have to go in a minute, Father Michael, but the... I wanted to mention that the other thing Father Dufresne and I were talking about is we have this this temptation, the taking the medicine, the persevering, that part can be a really unpleasant process. And so I think often, how, how I said it when we were talking is we often want to be healed, but we don't want the healing. <laughs> and because the healing part is not, typically so pleasant unless they're gummy vitamins. And so I I wanted to share something, a reflection I had had recently 
um, I hope it's not, I hope I can share it in just a, a short, like a concise way. But basically I was, I was lamenting about my pride to the Lord because I just, as I've said many times, I'm like the most prideful person I know. And it's very frustrating uh, because I see it manifested in so many different ways in my life. And I was, I was praying about it and I was complaining to Jesus pretty pridefully. And just like, Jesus, you could take this away in a second. You could make me humble. Why won't you just make me humble? Like why, um, yes, you can do all the things to humble me and all of that, allow these things to happen and that's fine, but it's in your power to just make me humble. And so what's the deal? Like, you don't want me to sin. You don't want me to be prideful. Why do you let me have all this pride? And I was so frustrated. And then it just, it just clicked of this, this possibility that if I were suddenly very humble, then maybe I would be tempted to become proud of how humble I was. And maybe I would become so proud of how humble I was that I'd be even worse off than I am now. <laughs> um, and so in some sense, in some like weird sense, my pride helps to keep me humble. Um, and like, I'm not humble, but I'm maybe more humble than I would be if I weren't prideful. I know that's really weird and um, convoluted, but it's it's like my, I was like, maybe this is my thorn in the flesh and Jesus is going to spend the rest of my life helping me to work on my pride because I, I do think I'm, I'm, progressing, you know, like I'm, I'm seeing my pride more frequently. I'm working on it. And so it's like, I just, I feel like I'm only slightly becoming more humble. And, uh, but like maybe, yeah, I don't know. That's, does that make I, any sense? I think it's important. It does. I think it's important to say that the process of you becoming humble or any of us becoming humble, that process purifies the humility itself so that when we are, mm. but we need the process. Like we, mm -hmm. we need that pilgrimage. If God just took it away, then we, we wouldn't have the tools that he gives us all along the way and that we actually have to live out and, and make sure they're effective in our life the whole way. Because I mean, you are really prideful. Um, and I think you're the most prideful person I know too. So like if, <laughs> if there's... You know, if if like, to, but to watch the journey, We're I'm like privileged to be, that, to, be, <laughs> to be on that journey with you. <laughs> mm. um, no, no, but I, I obviously I am kidding. But um, the I, I I do think that's what people don't understand is is the how important the process is. So mm -hmm. we all cry out, Lord, just give me these things. Um, we rarely ask for for help in the process. Yeah. Like, Lord, Lord, give this to me the way that will be the most helpful to me and let me um, be patient with that, understand it, and persevere in that. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think when, we, when we look at the process, that's where the real growth is going to happen along the way, of course, not just having it given to us. So, amen. Yeah, and, and that's like, even that's the pride, the wanting, the, the wanting to be healed without the healing. That's, that's pride in all of us. Like, that's yeah, us right. wanting to be the best at this thing, to, uh, to have this thing fixed, to be perfect now instead of, uh, of having to go through the perfection. Um, perfecting, I should say. So, anyways. So I want to I share one thing, and then Great. we'll give you the last word, Father Dufresne, if you have anything to say. Um, but um, but I, I, I just, uh, well, two things real quick. So Isaiah 6 um, when when I, Isaiah is being called and, and the angel says to him, um, behold, this touches the coal to his lips. Behold, this is says, touch your lips, shall take away iniquities and shall cleanse you of all of your sins. Um, the priest says this about himself when he receives the Eucharist. That's why he actually calls it a coal. Um, I got permission from Bishop Gerald back in the day, two bishops ago, to say that out loud to the people. So I, I'll say to them, when I hold it up after they've received, behold, this which has touched your lips shall take away iniquity, shall cleanse you of all of your sins. Then save your people, O God, and bless your inheritance, which is everybody, every priest says. But I think that's an important thing from Isaiah 6 to know that that's what it is. It's such a healing thing. It, it, it purges us of sin. And I oftentimes think when, when those who are in the congregation who God bless them for it, but they didn't receive for some reason, 
you know, usually out of humility and, and an awareness of sin and, and true guilt. But but how hard it must be to hear that. Because mm. behold, behold, this which has touched your lips, which in Isaiah is the coal. With us, it's the, it's the Eucharist that purges us and how, how the, it's almost like an Adam and Eve experience, sitting outside the gate, looking into Eden. Like some people just received Eden back in paradise again, the union, the, 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 the most holy Eucharist, I did not. So how hard that can be. But I also want to share, um, I, w- I was able to go up um, to uh, Santa Barbara on Saturday and, and can celebrate Mass with, with Bishop Barron. And he talked about, because um, if you, you probably know this, Father Dufresne, the, the reading was the call of Levi um, on Saturday. So anyway, that was what he preached on. And I love this because he talked about, you guys have probably seen this, but this is the call of, of Matthew from Caravaggio. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. listeners, mm-hmm. just look it up. But I didn't realize, like, look, look at Jesus's hand. He, so he, I'm trying to get out of the, out of the glare there. Do you recognize that from anywhere? Yes. What What would you say, Father? Oh, the um, the um, what's the the chapel, the, the ceiling, Sistine chapel. chapel, exactly <laughs> from Michelangelo, <laughs> yeah. the creation of Adam. Uh-huh. So if you if you so look up, listeners, look up Caravaggio, Call of Matthew, and look at Jesus's hand. Then look at Peter's hand, as he said in the homily. Peter's hand, which is right below Jesus, is actually like a, a, a weaker form of the same thing. Mm. And Peter symbolizes the church, but That's but it's cool. like um, but it's like Jesus. So what he's saying here is is when he's healing, all these sinners are on the other side of the the, the painting, right? Mm-hmm. There's Matthew and all the other sinners. Like he's calling them, and to and it's a new creation. And this is like so. Sin is death, and sin is in a sense even non-being. Bishop Aaron said it's non-being. So he's calling when we, when he heals us, he calls us back into being. So yeah, I, I love that that painting. I had seen it a million times, but never noticed just how how explicitly he, you know Caravaggio loved Michelangelo, and then how he just copied the exact same hand of the Creator as Jesus's hand, pointing at Matthew and, and calling him out of his sin and his friends. Yeah. Do you have anything you want to add, Father Dufresne? Uh, just maybe a closing thought. One of my favorite things that I didn't share about the metaphor of sickness for sin is that sickness can also be a mystery. Mm. Like you can be misdiagnosed. You can go for years trying to figure out why you're sick, right? And and so the reason that the the as you all would say, the holy mysteries are the ultimate remedy for sin is because sin is itself a mystery, and mm. often so often we want. Like, what's the one thing I can do to never do commit this sin again? Or what's the one mm. way, one thing that I can do to to stop sinning, right? There's no, it, it's not that cut and dry. It, it's a mystery. Uh, and so we need the holy mysteries to, to heal us of that. Uh, and we need to be humble before that mystery and not, not try to become, you know, masters of our own redemption, but to let our Lord redeem us. Yeah, the mysteries. That's what we say in the prayer of Saint Ephraim. Lord, let me see my own sins. Mm-hmm. Like, re- yeah. like reveal them to me, that I may, I may be a partner in this healing, and may may expose them to the physician, so that I identify them for the physician. Um, not not that the physician Jesus doesn't see it, but you know, it's that we, we can become part of the, the healing process. So, amen. Um, the the mysteries are the whole hog. That <laughs> was close. You know that, you, you had that grin under your face for like the best thirty seconds. You were just waiting. I was waiting <laughs> to say that. She's like, she's like, it's it's like in the in the hopper, like it's just ready to go. And then she's like, wait for the pause, wait for the pause, wait for the pause. There it is. Yeah. All right. Um, okay. Before prayer intentions, I uh, will just ask using the pitch that Cowboy very um, beautifully wrote up for me. Please rate and review the podcast on whatever service you use to listen. It's the best way to help more people find us. Please like What God Is Not on Facebook and follow us on Instagram. Please subscribe on YouTube and hit the bell icon. I don't even know what that is. To be notified when new videos drop. The videos are just audio, just for the record. Uh, we also have a Goodreads group. Join us to discuss uh, what both we are reading and what you are reading. And then we have a website for our nonprofit. Uh, it's fotina.org. That's P H O T I N A.org. And the website for our podcast is What God Is Not Podcast. Sorry, What God Is Not.com. Um, Father Michael also has Instagram at Padre Michael O. That's Twitter. Is what I meant. Father Michael has Twitter at Padre Michael O. But the the What God Is Not website. Um, one of the one of the great things about that is, in addition to having um, all of the new episodes listed up there, that's also where you'll see other news. So like uh, the live episode that we're going to be doing 
Um, the news for that comes out on the website as well. And so particularly if you're fasting from social media or if you're not on social media, then the whatgodisnot.com website is, is the place to go. Good. Also, um, we, I don't think we've announced this, but um, when is our mother, when is our uh, God with us online talk? Um, it's on March 28th and this comes out the 30th. So that's not going to work. Wah, wah. So if you want to see the replay, the replay <laughs> of our um, God with us online talk on uh, hospitality and asceticism, um, then just go to God with us online, go to events, and then you can see past events. I think it's called Entertaining Angels, a talk that we're going to do. Uh, what God is not online is a great resource for, for education, all things Byzantine. You meant to um, say God so with us online. What did I say? What God is not online. <laughs> Sorry. Something about God. Um, <laughs> God with us online. Check that out. All right. Prayer intentions. Um, please. I didn't think of this ahead of time. Please pray for everyone whose hands don't fit in the Pringle can. Uh, just kidding. Please pray for... Um, our friend Casey, the one who was on the show. Um, I won't go into details because I don't know if she would want me to share them or not. Um, but uh, good things, just healing and so on and so forth. But pray for Casey, please. Father Michael? Um, uh, I will ask you to pray for two uh, intentions close to my heart. Uh, Father Mike Mina, one of our parishioners, is, not Father. is having... Sorry. Mike Mina, one of our parishioners, um, is is having um, a couple medical issues, kind of compound medical issues, including COVID. And uh, just pray for his health. Um, hopefully, by the time this comes out, he will be well. Um, but yeah, but Mike Mina is uh, is asked for prayers and that we could share that. So that's why I'm sharing that. Um, also, Father, that's why I said Father earlier. Father Jason Caron is a is a Ukrainian priest in Pittsburgh, Carnegie. Um, you can look at his parish, just a Ukrainian Catholic Carnegie. He's Talca's pastor. Uh, yes, he has a lot of very cool young adults at his parish, um, <laughs> I think. And actually, including Matt Frad, who's still a young adult, I guess. Uh, he's um, not a parishioner, but, but, but they go went, Roman now. Uh, but he, <laughs> so Matt, Matt, is now in Poland uh, taking care of the orphans that Father Jason got out of Ukraine. Um, so Father Jason got like 20 orphans out of Ukraine and then had to come back. And then, uh, so Matt Fred flew over there to, uh, to anyway, take care of it in the meantime and probably give a little bit of um, awareness to it as well, of course, because he's Matt Fred. Um, so just pray for, obviously for Ukraine, when this comes out, who only knows what's going to be going on? But um, but pray for especially those people, as Mister Rogers says, in midst of tragedy, find the helpers. You know, so um, the people like Father Jason, Matt, and and those who are who are going over to do the real work. Um, kind of a funny thing, and I I'm, I'm realizing I probably was told this, but I forgot. But um, I was explaining this at the outreach, um, and we we just took up the second the the Antidoron collection for Father Jason and his projects in Ukraine. And then uh, a young woman came up to me afterwards and said, I'm Father Jason's daughter. It was like a really weird oh, She's a student at TAC. Yes. And, uh, and so anyway, she was there. At she's our she's been to girls region. camp. Maria, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, anyway, shout out to Maria Caron <clears throat> and, uh, and her dad, Father Jason, who's, who's doing a lot of good work in Ukraine. Please keep them in prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, if everyone could pray for a young man named Jonathan, who's... Uh, struggling with some severe illness and just for the people of St. Philip Neri Parish in Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right. Thanks, guys. Love you both very much. It's good to be with you guys. Thanks for having me. Love you all, too. Thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah, thanks, listeners. Love you guys, too. Father, can you give us a blessing? Lord bless you and keep you. Cause his face to shine upon you. Have mercy on you. May you desire the the healing hand of Christ and the the, the grace that he gives to heal every illness in every way, um, especially during this great fast um, or whatever fast is next after you're listening to this. Um, May you and may I pray sincerely for the grace to understand that we are sinners and that Christ heals sin 
and that he enjoys healing sin, he wants to heal sin, he wants to forgive, um, one of his greatest desires, and that we may identify our sin and bring it to him for healing, um, that we may understand any sickness we have, any poverty we have as pointing to the healing hand of Christ and to our place and our posture in this pilgrimage that those things that are evil and negative through Christ's power and transformation can become helpful. Um, but we call to mind those who need prayer, especially those we've asked for uh, today, that we may understand that as members of the body of Christ, we can intercede for fellow members of the body and that through our prayer and our fasting, um, God can heal the entire body by healing them, including us. Lord bless all of you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Amen.